So last last year, y'all had my grandson pray for me. And if that didn't choke me up enough, well, I appreciate the words that, that John Paul had to say. My brother's right out here somewhere. Raise your hand right there. All right, right there. We had a conversation on the deck today. He said, what's going to be the word that we say? You know, we always use the words for amen, booyah, right on, you know. Well, he said, in honor of it being Cowboy Day for, for the silly songs, we're going to go with yeehaw, right? Yeehaw, yeehaw. Right? So everybody, everybody just practice it. Obviously, I've got to practice it. Ready? Everybody together. Ready? Yeehaw. And what that means is amen. It means may it forever be, all right? So we're going to go with my brother's suggestion of yeehaw. All right. Let's see if we can get this going here. There are two of greatest words that mankind has ever, ever heard. Now, I'm going to give you a couple of illustrations of what they might be. If you lived in the hills, maybe, of, uh, let's say, Tennessee or somewhere, what we, uh, what we call uh, hillbillies, right? That, those two sweetest words might be if you found someone to call sweetie pie, right? Maybe that sweetie pie is the best two words. I don't know. Or maybe it's finding someone that will say, I do, in marriage. Or saying, I do, to Jesus Christ and making him Lord and Savior. And because of the two words we're going to talk about tonight, it makes that top one very, very special as well. Or maybe if you are uh, listening to things like uh, this Harvard Business Review, it says praise and recognition are the two most important words that we could possibly say to one another. A psychiatrist might say Act now would be the two most important words. Or an extreme marketing company says, no, thank you, are the two most important words you could possibly say. And if you are a, land, a, a, a homeowner or a business owner, maybe the two best words you ever hear is checking clothes. Right? Maybe. But I want to tell you, there's two better words. There's two better words that are the greatest words that mankind can ever hear. Listen, they're both three letters. But when you bring those two words of three letters each together and they merge and they form a concept, things begin to happen. Lives are changed. Situations are changed. Uh, good or bad is turned into good. Things begin to be altered. All right? Here, here's, here's the two words. But God. Say it with me. But God. But God. Every time you see this slide and the words are in yellow, you need to repeat it after me, all right? The two greatest words man can ever hear is but God. Say it with me. But God. But God. We're going to talk about those two words of but God uh, tonight. That Those words are used 45 times in the Bible. Every time. Boy, get your Bibles out. Get your pens out. Every time you see this phrase, but God, something's fixing to happen. God's fixing to change somebody's life in a radical way. Something special is about to happen because God steps in and he goes, whoa, 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 wait a minute. But God, it's something fixing to happen when, when that happens. And, and, and you think about, why, why is that? Why is that so important? Well, one person put it this way. He said, because no matter who you are, no matter what you've done, no matter how you've lived, no matter what mistakes you've made, no matter what failures you've been involved in, no matter what addictions you may find yourself, when there is a but God, things can change. Amen? He, uh, he, uh, he, what is it? Yeah. Yeah. Where, where is Jake? Oh, Janet, Jake. 
Jake, today in chapel, uh, boy, you, you said some powerful things, but one of the things you said, Jake, is you said, our past doesn't have to define us, right? The reason that's true is because, but God. That, that doesn't have to define it. I'm going to tell you all the truth, guys. If y'all were able to look in my spiritual closet, we all have one. And if you were to be able to open that door, now all you would see is forgiven sin. All right? But if you really could look in my closet and see some of the things I've been involved in in my life, you'd go, what? And you're a preacher? What? Now, they're all forgiven. All right? Because of but God, they're all forgiven. Those things don't, they don't identify me. That's not who I am. And we're going to talk about that in Ephesians. If you have your Bibles, turn to Ephesians 2. I know it's uh, hard to see in here. But Ephesians chapter 2, you've been studying in your Bible classes. You probably already have your memory verse memorized. Uh, but let's look at Ephesians chapter 2. And what Paul is going to do is he's going to start from the doom and gloom. Bad news. Doom and gloom. And he's going to end up with glorious and amazing. Alright? So here we go. Ephesians chapter 2, starting verse 1. And I'm not going to read everything that y'all been memorizing. Okay? But I'm going to read bits and parts of it. It says, you were once... What's the next word? Dead. You were once what? Dead. Does that mean physically dead? Because of because we were disobedient and, and we had many sins, were we physically dead? Well, if that was the case, my brethren, I would be dead at age 12. Because at age 12, I stole my first package of bubble gum, knowing it was sin, but I wanted that bazooka bubble gum. So I put it in my pocket and went home. At that point, my brethren, I was lost. Because I sinned, I did something, I was disobedient, I knew it was sin, but I chose to do it anyhow. And at that moment, according to Isaiah 59, I was separated from God because of sin. Y'all get that again? Y'all do? Brother, you came up with a hard one, I tell you. So the way Paul says it is, is he says you were spiritually dead because of your sin. Down in verse 3, he says... Uh, you used to live that way following passionate desires and inclination of our sinful nature. I wanted that bubble gun. That was my sinful desire. That was my inclination to say, I, I would look good blowing bubbles right now, and so I'm going to take it from this grocery store. That was my sinful, passionate desires that separated me from God. That's the doing of now here's the glorious and amazing. Ready? As we keep reading, verse 4. Say it with me, the first two words. But God is so rich in mercy. He loved us so much. Even though we were dead, through Jesus, we're raised. Yeehaw? Yeehaw! It's amazing that God would take a worm like me Someone that was so sinful that, 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 that their life wasn't always focused on him. And he would say, listen, I love you too much to let you go. And in my grace, and in my mercy, and in my love, and in my unmerited favor, I choose you. You're going to be my child. Here's a couple of things, and then you can, you can say but God after each one of these. Because of our sins, we were spiritually dead. But God. Now say it all. But God through Christ. Say it again. But God through Christ. This death means that we really deserve to go to hell. But God through Christ. Because of sin, we had no hope of our sin being ever forgiven. But God through 
And we had, listen to me, zero hope of heaven. Our God loves us so much. He said, I don't want you to be separated from me. I'm going to provide to you my grace and my mercy and my love and my unmerited favor so that you can live eternally with me because but God. Now, you know, when we just say the words, by grace you were saved, not by works, so that any of you would brag about yourself, but it's by grace that you've been saved, and it's a gift of God, a free gift from God. When we say that, we say, well, that kind of sounds simplistic, doesn't it? I'm saved by grace, not works. But when you think about it, God says, because of my work that I've done through Jesus on the cross, because of his shed blood, a plan, as you talked about in class already, a plan that we have before the foundation of the world, that he would come and die on the cross, shed his blood so that we could have our sins forgiven. Because of that, it's a free gift. Not because of anything we do. Not because we deserve it. Not because we're worth it. Not because we earned it. Not because we're good enough. Not because we come to Blue Haven. Not because we go to church. Not because we go to Devo's. Not because we're a good person. We get it because it's a free gift of God. Say that with me again. But God. Yeehaw. Yeehaw. You know, when, when folks are baptized, if, if we're in a congregation who continues to work with them, who continues to mentor them and teach them and bring them up. If we're in a congregation like that, a lot of times how that teaching goes is we begin to tell them all the things they can't do anymore. Right? You can't do this anymore. You can't do that. You can't talk like that. You can't do this. You can't do that. And listen, I'm all for that because Paul himself says, you were dead when you live like that. When we get to Ephesians chapter 4 today or so, he's going to talk about an old life and a new life. You're dead to that old life. I'm, I'm all for that. But when I grew up, I kind of grew up being taught, I don't dance and I don't dip and I don't chew and I don't go with the girls that do. And to me, that was being a child of God. I had all the I can't do's down. I was reminded of them all the time of the things I can't do. Is a child of God. You know what I think might be a better approach? If we just poured over people about God's grace and His love and His mercy and His unmerited favor that He gives upon us as free gift. Now we we probably need to talk about some of those other things. Sure we do. A lot of a lot of the folks that we work back in my hometown, they come out of some addictions, some horrible addictions. And we've got to talk about some of that, sure. But if I want them to remain strong Christians, they better understand grace. Can you hear all that? Yeah. We, we, we just got to do a better job of that. I, I'm going to share with you a scary... Well, let me go over this real quick. This is Romans 3.23. You probably say this in your class as well. For every one of us who sinned fall short of the glory of God... Uh, chapter 6, verse 23 says, Because of that sin, what you really deserve is hell or spiritual death. Ephesians 2 says we were dead in those sins. But, that chapter 6, verse 23 goes on, on But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. All right? Now let me share with you a scary statistic. I want you all to really listen to that. My, my brethren from North Dallas. Now y'all go ahead and stand. You guys are supposed to stand. Go ahead and stand. 
Okay, I'll just lay real quiet and my speech in a second. My brethren in North, North Dallas Church asked me about three months ago to come do a seminar with them. And the seminar was entitled, Why We're Losing Our Youth from the Church After They Graduate High School. And I spent months and months and months doing research on this. And what I found, and they are, these, these stats are absolutely 100% researched. That in churches across America, not just churches of Christ, and there may, there may be exceptions to the rule. You may be from a congregation that's an exception to that rule. I'm just telling you, in churches across America, not just churches of Christ, just churches, we're losing 59 to 70% of our youth when they graduate from high school. Can you look around right now? This is 70%. If those statistics are right, this many will leave the church when you graduate from New York. Now my prayer is my prayer is, is that Blue Haven is part of the 31 to 42 percent who, who don't leave the church. That's my prayer. I, I pray you are in that number. But if I'm going to be realistic, I'm going to say some of you are going to go home to a church, to a congregation that those numbers hold up. Now I want to be as, as honest as I can with you guys. I love every one of you stinking guys. I don't even know some of your names. But I wouldn't be here. I'd be in an easy chair back in Midland, Texas if I didn't love you. I cannot bear the thought of 70% of you leaving the church. Adults, can you say you all? Yeah. Okay. Now, statistics say that a percentage come back in their 30s. But they don't come back with the fervor they had when they left. They come once a month, twice a year, three times a year. They don't come back with the same fervor. Now, there's a lot of reasons. We took four days at, at, at uh, North Dallas. We took four days talking about those reasons, all right? But I want to give you one. Because I believe if this one was intact, those numbers would be drastically reduced. You know what I believe it is? I believe kids are graduating high school without ever getting the concept of but God. They don't get it. And so what they do is they leave activities, but they don't leave a relationship. That makes sense? They don't understand but God. They don't understand the grace of God, the mercy. They don't understand that they were lost before Jesus died on the cross. They don't understand that because if we ever really grasp grace, if we really grab a hold of grace and mercy and unfavored, uh, unmerited love and, and favor, oh my goodness, guys, if we really grab that, you don't have to tell me to go serve. You can't keep me from serving. You don't have to tell me to go to church. I'm going to be at church opening the door before you get there because I understand grace. And it's a relationship with Jesus. He truly is my Lord. I don't just sing it, Jesus is Lord. I don't just sing it. I can sing better than that. I don't just sing it. I love it. Does that make sense, y'all? Yeah. Oh, we got to get but God. Damn. All right. When we do that, as verse 3 said, then we're going to do away with our passionate desires 
in our inclination, in our inclination of sinful nature. That I've, I've committed myself to whomever wants to share it. That I'm going to finish out my life going to congregations and sharing this. Because we put up with it for way too long. And it's time that congregations, not blue, congregations understood this. I'm going to do the best to turn that around. All right. Can you ever earn a gift? Can you earn a gift? If it's your birthday and your parents give you a gift, did you earn that gift? Did you deserve it? Can you do anything to make it where, where, where it's something they go, well, we just got to give this to you. Can you do that? No, you can't earn a gift, can you? It's free. It's from the giver to the receiver, right? All right, I talked to Lily a while ago. Come on up here, Lily. Talk, talk, talk. Come on up here, brother. Where you at? From Germany. Yeah, there you go. So, Lily, do I know you, really? Do I know you? Have you done anything for me? Did you shine my shoes this morning? Did you give me breakfast? Did you clean my plate up? Have you done anything deserving of a gift? Tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you this little twisty pets. Big, big, big in Midland, Texas. I'm going to ask about your age. Right? I'm going to give that to you. Do you deserve it? But I'm going to give it to you. You know why? Because I love it. Now this is what I'm going to ask you to do. Give it to your counselor. So we don't play with the beer players. Okay? <laughs> and I have a hug? Because we love each other, right? Alright, there you go. My brother, your name is not Germany. It is, like I said, it's Reagan. <laughs> Reagan, did, did you do anything for me today? Do you deserve me giving you anything? Did you get my food, clean my plate, did you? Did you know that? Well, I'm going to give you a gift anyhow. Reagan said he kind of enjoyed playing with kind of IT kind of funky stuff. So what this is, is this is a spear that has a laser in it. And when that laser shoots, it hits your hand and you can move that thing around with just your hand. Pretty cool. And you deserve this. You know why I'm giving it to you? Because I love you. That's right. Now here's what I'm going to ask you to do.
she survived on the streets. At nine years old, she found an orphanage that would take her in. At this point, nine years old, she weighed 30 pounds. She had head lice everywhere. Her hair was like one big ball of mat. She had worms. She had sores and scabs all over her body. She was a mess. But at the orphanage, occasionally, American people came by to adopt children. It was always the babies. And so all the other kids would gather around the babies and they'd clean them up and they'd make them smell good and they'd put fresh clothes on them and they'd kind of line them up like a shopping center. And the Americans would come in and they'd pick a baby and take them home. Well, that day this giant of a man, American man, came in and he picked up every baby and held every baby. And he loved on that baby with tears coming down his eyes and every kid there knew if it were up to him, he would take everybody in the orphanage home with him. But he could only have one. And he held every baby. And when he got to the last baby, he caught a glimpse of this little girl sitting over in the corner. 30 pounds, matted hair, lice, worms, sores, scabs, a mess. And he walked over to that little girl, and he put his massive hand on her cheek and began speaking a language she didn't even understand. Later she understood, he said, this will be my child. If you have ever felt unworthy, if you've ever felt like you're a mess, God reaches out his hands and he puts his hands symbolically on our face. And he says, because of my grace, you will be my child.